Welcome to Talk Tennis, a podcast created specifically for you, the tennis fanatic. Join us each week as we work to elevate your game both on and off the court. We will deliver fresh episodes to keep you up to date with tennis trends and technologies, as well as exclusive interviews with industry experts, current and former pros, and so much more. Here's your host, Michelle. Hello, Talk Tennis listeners. When we started this podcast, along with talking about all things tennis and all things tennis gear, I really wanted to help tell stories of people who are spreading the love of our sport. And today's episode is just that. So let's take a listen and hear all about the La Constance Tennis Center in Ghana, Africa, and how Dr. Alex is sharing his love of tennis. Welcome to Talk Tennis. Today's guest is Dr. Alex Boafo. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. You sound like my mother. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good start. And he's joining me today to talk all about La Constance Tennis Center in Ghana, Africa, which is an organization that uses education, social interaction, advocacy, and tennis as a way to teach Discipline, education, leadership, and sport. So thank you so much for joining me today. The pleasure is mine. Love having you with me. And I recently learned about La Constance Tennis and was told that you would be such a great resource. And I've continued to kind of dig up some stuff and learn a little bit more. But I'm really excited to have you tell some stories and all about this situation. But first things first, I wanted to ask you what your background is and how you got involved. Well, I'm, I'm a gynecologist. I worked with Albert Einstein and Montefiore Medical Center in New York. Um, when I was in medical school, a tennis court was built by the school I mean, without any coach, nobody. So some of us interested just took the tennis rackets and started hitting balls without any formal training. And it became part of me for the rest of my life. So after school, I was posted to some regions. I continued to play tennis on any, any surface that we could, we could get. And then eventually I landed here and then got formalized into getting some coaching and continued to play. And that is where I find myself in tennis. Okay. Do you still play tennis pretty actively? Yes. I'm a very avid tennis player. Um, Love it. At my my level. Yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Um, So what is the background of La Constance? How did this get started? How long has it been around? Give me a little of that history. Yes, um, La Constance Tennis, and I will get into the name La Constance, how that came about later. Please, yeah. Yes, but um, originally I come from Ghana, so I visit the place back almost like twice a year. I'm involved in the medical education, community activities, and send a whole lot of things to Ghana. So as part of our visit, we built a raggedy tennis court in my town, and the idea was that anytime I went back, I would get my friends together and we'd play tennis. It so happened that the court was getting weedy and wasn't very active. So my kids said, Daddy, why don't you create something for the kids in your town? And I said, well, that sounds like a good idea. So the next time we went, we recruited some teachers from the schools who were interested in doing something. And they auditioned some kids. And the kids came around. They weeded the the court. And then I got a few things together. My kids... Um, rackets and things they gave to their kids. And that's how the whole thing started. Okay. And then obviously over time, 
it, it was very difficult getting it going because of all the constraints, logistics, but I'm sure we'll get it. And that's how it started. <laughs> and the kids became extremely interested. Some of them had never heard the word tennis before in their lives. Wow. They live in the town. Some of them walked two to three miles to get to the court. And then it became a fashion in the, in the villages around, and it attracted so many kids. And that's, that's how it got started. That's amazing. And how long has it been going? We started in 2014. Okay. And, and it's been growing and growing. And at the moment, it has about 40 kids in the town and surrounding villages. And the kids walk to the court and the trainers are very enthusiastic. And it's been extremely, extremely nice. I love that. Now, can you give us a little bit of a picture of what it's like in this town in Ghana where this is located? Well, it is a town at the town level, maybe of about thirty to 40,000 people. Mm-hmm. There are schools there, but tennis is not structured in the town at all. Um, there are no playgrounds in the town. So the kids have to walk about two to three miles to get to their court. Mm-hmm. But the enthusiasm has been great. So they come and they play. There are no other sports activities in the town. Wow. You find some kids organized to play um, soccer, but it's nothing structured. So this comes out as one of the good um, establishments w- within the town and the surrounding villages with the kids walking two to three miles to come and play tennis and walk back. And that has been, it's been pretty exciting and very challenging, but it's doing extremely well. And about how many kids are there and what's the age range? Uh, at the moment, we have about 40 kids. Okay. When we started, we took kids about 12 to 14, but we realized that soon after joining, they go back to high school and they leave the town. So we decided to put kids much earlier. So we take kids from about six to eight. So by the time they are 12 and 14, ready to leave and go to high school, at least they are very well structured. And it's been extremely successful in that way. And is there any convincing the parents or are the parents pretty excited that they have this opportunity? How do you talk to the parents about tennis? What happens is that obviously in Ghana and particularly in the town, parents are not actively involved in the kids' activities, particularly when it comes to sports. Mm -hmm. So no mother is going to take her kid to soccer training or anything like that. So our luck is that the teachers at the school are the ones who push the kids to come to the tennis grounds. Okay. And then over time, when we have um, exhibition matches and stuff like that, we try very hard before we can get the parents to come. But some of them do come and show a level of enthusiasm. And do you find that the kids that start playing tennis can often go back to school and tell other kids they're having so much fun and encourage new players? Yes, because of the programs we've instituted there where we teach the students, we give them stationery, we give them books, we give them laptops and stuff like that. When they go back to the school, that has been very attractive for the other students. They say, hey, I want, a, <laughs> I want an iPad as well. So that has been what has been more, more very attractive for the kids to come there too. But the teachers have been very nice in recruiting their kids to come. And it's been very exciting. And where are the coaches for the tennis coming from? Are they from the town as well? And they just happen to be tennis players or have they come from other areas? Interestingly, when we started, there was no tennis coach in the town, obviously. Yeah. So we got teachers that were interested in sports, not necessarily tennis, mm-hmm. just to be around the kids and then get them to exercise, give them rackets and so forth. But over time, I was able to get them to the national level where they went to some coach training, not the best, 
but they went for some training, so they are now more useful to their kids. So we do have two of them that have gone for national coaching and training, and now they are back and, and taken on the kids. And it's been pretty, pretty nice. Awesome. So once the kids get older, do they do you find that they continue to play the sport of tennis? And how does tennis still play a role in their life? Like, as you said, you picked up the sport and it's still a big part of who you yeah. are. Do you find that to be the case? What happened was that when their kids grow and they go to high school, most of the schools in Ghana don't have tennis courts. Okay. So for the for most of them, that kind of ends unless they come back to the village to continue to play. Recently, I spoke to the vice chancellor of the University of Ghana, mm -hmm. and I said, why don't we give tennis scholarships, sports scholarships for these kids to continue to come and play tennis in the university? And he bought the idea yes. that, that he would offer tennis scholarships for our kids that have qualified, that are ready to go to university. So that is what we are working on now to give them a certain structure moving forward. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. Oh, yeah. So it's it's pretty exciting. And like I said, at the town level, you don't see tennis in Ghana. Tennis is only played at the regional centers. So ours is quite an innovation and getting the kids, like I said, within the mission of what we established. It's been very exciting. And you mentioned that they sometimes get iPads and laptops. Are they able to keep up with professional tennis? Do they Are they interested in who the pros are? Do they have any knowledge of who's playing on this circuit? Okay, very interesting you ask that question. Because one day, when I was in Ghana with the kids, I asked them, which players do you know? Yeah. I was, I was amazed the names they threw around. <laughs> I mean, they knew everybody. Really? The only thing is that, yes. I mean, I said, who is your favorite player? Somebody says, um, Fedra. I said, how do you know Fedra? I said, yeah. <laughs> so it's been pretty, the kids have been very, very enthusiastic about tennis. Though we don't have access to them watching tournaments, we usually tape and then on occasions we'll sit them all down and then play the videos to them for them to see exactly what happens at a much higher level. So they are pretty much aware of what is going on internationally in tennis, yes. That's so cool. I was going to ask, do they have any role models or what are the goals of these children? Are they hoping to grow up and go to university or are they hoping to grow up and get a job so they can help support their family? Are any of them even potentially dreaming about being a pro player? Well, I think if you look at the structure of the social structure, most of the kids just want to go to college and university mm -hmm. and find a job. A few of a lot of quite a few of them will drop out and then do media jobs within the community. But with the tennis program, we've established said that we continue to educate and help the kids with the education work, their homework and stuff to get them to go to universities. So that is they have dreams, but because te tennis is not well structured. I don't think any of them is looking to be a professional, but you have to use it as a means of um, combating with life, yes. And then I'm always kind of a little bit of the female empowerment. So I'm curious yeah. what the breakdown is uh, between boys and girls. Are there more boys or just as many girls are able to play? Well, that is interesting. Yeah. The first time I went after the program had been established, could you imagine there was no girl? <laughs> there was about 10 boys when it started and there was no girl. And so I said, where are the girls? Right. Subsequently, there are more girls than boys. <laughs> nice. uh, <laughs> girl power. <laughs> well, oh, absolutely. And and the, the, the greatest thing is that two of our girls were invited by the national team to come and train with them. So cool. Yes. 
what happens is that usually when there's a national program, we send the kids from our village to go and join. And two of the girls were invited to join the national team. And that is a great success story. For sure. For a village where the kids would not even have heard the word tennis. To get two of them girls, you mentioned, to join the national team, I was so excited. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, how often do you get to go back now where you're currently situated on the East Coast? And sounds like you've probably got a busy schedule. I, I certainly do. But I, I I do go to Ghana twice in a year. Okay. I go in March and then I go in September where there's a national medical education program that I'm usually faculty. So when I go in March, we have our invitational tennis tournament Okay. where we invite other kids, mainly from the cities. They come to the village and then we play, they play. And then when after they finish, we give them trophies, we give them medals, we give them tablets and so forth. And then I go back in September. In September, there's a huge cultural event in the village, in the town. So we take opportunity to play an exhibition tennis for the coincide with the cultural activities. And the kids put on their clothing and they parade through the town oh. with their rackets. And everybody says, oh, wh- where do you guys come from? You know, so it's it's very exciting, actually. It's, it's extremely exciting. That's so cool. And yeah. you mentioned that you have kids of your own that encouraged you to start tennis there. So how old are they? And are they tennis players? Oh, yes. My kids are um, grown now. Okay. But tennis has been what has helped our families together. Okay. Because over the weekends, we'll go to the tennis courts, we'll be playing, we'll talk tennis, we'll do everything. So when my kids were in high school, they actually played for their high schools that they were in. And then obviously when they went to college, they stopped playing. But when they come home, we play tennis. When we go to Ghana, they are with their kids. So tennis has been the stay of our family, I must confess. Yes, it brings people together, keeps them together, as you would say. <laughs> yes, and I, I tell people that probably tennis is the greatest game because you can play it at any age. You can play it anywhere. You can have friends through it. You don't need 10 people. All you need is one friend. You can play with family. So I think it's probably one of the greatest games that ever was introduced. Definitely. And if you don't have if you don't have anybody at all, you can play against the wall. <laughs> I always have the wall. Absolutely. <laughs> now, do you have any memories or stories of seeing maybe a kid who is new to tennis and maybe wasn't even buying into it, but then you've seen him or her grow through this experience and what they've kind of gone on to do or learned or how you've how tennis has really helped evolve them as a person? Actually, if you if you go back to Ghana, mm-hmm. in the town where we established it, the kids had no other options. Okay. So this came in as an excellent experience for them, every aspect of their lives, because they get together, they learn together, we give them tablets, we give them things to help them educate. And so it's been very exciting, mm-hmm. extremely, extremely exciting. And um, you can't beat that. And at the village level or at the town level, there is no comparison. There's nothing like that in Ghana, except where we have one. The, all the other tennis programs are in the big cities. So, so we've come a long way. For sure. And do you feel like you are a bit of a role model for these kids and your family because you've kind of created this amazing situation for them and an escape from their day to day and you brought something completely new to them. And now you're very successful at what you do in the United States. Do you ever feel like you're a bit of a mentor and a leader for these kids? Oh, absolutely. I belong to a nonprofit organization 
called Quaquadriam, that was also interested in doing a lot of health activities in Ghana. Mm -hmm. So I have been involved with um, maternal health, child health, and a lot of activities in Ghana. In, in, so as a role model, I think without saying, I've been involved in so many social activities in Ghana to elevate the level of people looking at my own background and where I came from. So the kids look up to me and I think it's, it's entirely up to me to be able to satisfy their needs. And it is my passion to do that. Oh, that's awesome. So cool. And I'm sure even you've gone on and become this amazing doctor. Do they ask you questions about how to be a doctor, how to improve their education and get to such high standards? Yes, we've incorporated career education as part of the tennis program as little as they are and introducing things that will get them focused on their lives and their future and what they plan to do and give them options that they can do. And so in that respect, it's been it's been very, very promising. And some of them see challenges. They ask me a lot, how did you become a doctor? Obviously, you know, I have so many stories to tell them, mm-hmm. given my own family background and stuff like that. So yeah, I think it's been pretty good to give the kids this opportunity to know what life is about and where they can get to. Definitely. Um, now, you mentioned health and all of that, and obviously that's a big part of your life. How's the diet situation as terms of staying healthy and being able to replenish their body after you know a few hours of playing tennis? You want to make sure that you're eating right, but do they have access to healthy foods and even knowledge about how to refuel their body? Yes, um, we have three management people, and one of them is a nutritionist in, in the school. So she gives them lectures, you know, after the games, she provides the, you know, hydration mm-hmm. and all that. So we've taken care of that quite well because we have somebody who's trained and has the um, capacity to do that for them. Amazing. Yeah. You got to do all of the, <laughs> all parts of oh, it, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Now you had mentioned there was a good story behind the name of La Constance. What is that? Yes. Okay. The La Constance is named after my mother. Oh. I think she's the greatest woman that ever lived. Yes. She's a single mother of nine children. Oh my goodness. Because her husband died early. And saddled with nine children, this woman gave everything she had in life to make sure we succeeded. And I get tears when I mention her name. Mm. She never gave up on us. Nine children, a single mother. And in the end, produced engineers, architects, PhDs, lawyers, teachers. She's amazing. So I live my life for her. So the tennis court is named after her, the La Constance tennis court, because of who she is as a woman. That is amazing. I have goosebumps right now. She sounds fabulous and such a strong woman. Very dedicated, very strong woman, very strong woman. Nine of us never gave up on us. So I said, used her name to symbolize what motherhood is about. Oh, what a legacy. I love that. Yes. Amazing. 
And are your other siblings involved in helping you build this? Well, actually, I did it by myself, but I'm just finished. <laughs> You're like, I got this. Nice. Yeah, they give me accolades for that. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Do are they all? Are you guys all spread out? Do some still live in Ghana, or some in the United States? Oh yes, I think we all we all spread up. Some in this in in the UK, and most of them in Ghana. Yes. And did everyone pick up tennis or just some of you? Not really. Uh, surprisingly, I was the only one who picked tennis because I chanced on it when a court was built in our school. <laughs> that was what happened. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's cool. Look at you now, though. You are, and I was thinking, if it's just been since 2014, you have so much growth to come and so many players that eventually you'll see how much success they are having in life. And it's only been a few years, so I'm sure some of your early students are young adults now and doing amazing things. Do you keep in touch with them? Yes, we keep in touch with them. Some of them uh, are being one or two of them have finished the university and they are working within within their system because they are not in the town they are not usually around to play mm-hmm. but occasionally they come to inspire the, the children yes amazing now what are some of the biggest challenges that you're facing as you continue to build this program i think i was waiting to mention tennis web as the last item but <laughs> yeah, since you said challenges fine. i would i would like to thank the tennis warehouse amazingly because if not for them none of this would have happened and um when we started we had big logistic problems mm-hmm. and i was shopping around and found tennis warehouse and i got in charge of don mr don hightower mm-hmm. and he is the one who has brought this into fruition without his desire to help us we would not have been able to do anything so i would take this moment to thank done exceedingly well and tennis warehouse for all that you've done you don't know the impact you've had on these kids and mankind to say we are thankful wow but the logistic problem had been the biggest challenge how to get the tennis rackets how to get clothing for the kids because we had to get uniforms for them so that when they come they have something to put on Mm-hmm. And so that are the sneakers, everything we had to supply everything free for them. So it what was a challenge until you came into the picture, and what you've built is amazing. I must confess. What you've built is amazing. <laughs> I have to admit, a lot of people around here who are adamant about helping out like to stay in the shadows and don't you know they get a little shy when uh, they get thanks but I also am starting to learn more about how generous people here are at Tennis Warehouse and this is one of the many programs that I was so excited to hear that we have a great relationship with you guys and are able to do our best to help young children no matter where they are in the globe play tennis and hopefully you know, based on what we learn as tennis players overflows into the rest of our life. Oh, I, I think I think you've done amazing, amazing things for these kids. And we are forever grateful. Without you, none of this would have happened. And I doff my hat off to your generosity oh. and your desire to help kids way back in, in a village in Ghana. And it's making a lot of difference in their lives. And that is most important. So cool. Now, if anyone's listening and they want to reach out and help, what's the best way that our listeners can connect with you guys? Actually, um, we do have a website. It's called the La Constance Tennis Center website. 
And then we also have established a GoFundMe. So anybody who wants to help us in any little way, we have a GoFundMe, the La Constance Tennis Center. And so every little bit helps. And our greatest challenge now is to find some form of transportation for these kids mm. so that they don't, they don't have to walk three, four miles. If we have a little bus that can pick them up, bring them, take them back, they walk two, three miles to the center after they've finished in the evening, they have to walk back some of them through the bush. It's not easy, but the end goal, it's amazing. When you see the enthusiasm on the face of these kids playing tennis, it's otherwise they wouldn't never have heard the word tennis in their lives. Yeah, that's that's insane to me as someone, you know, that grew up with tennis. And I think I knew the word tennis before, I don't know, always playing tennis. So that is so it's really interesting to try and wrap my head around the fact that there are people in the world that don't know about this sport. Yes. Tennis is structured in Ghana. It's not very popular, Mm -hmm. but it's structured. But it is not at our level. It is at the level of the cities or the regional towns, not at the level of our village for any village kid to play tennis. Ghana participates in the Davis Cup. So there is tennis, but it is not at the level where any kid can participate. Mm-hmm. It's only the kids in the in the cities. Mm-hmm. And even then, they are not students. They are kids off the street who go to the site to help collect balls and they get interested and then they play the tennis. So when you come to kids that are likely to go to school, they would never play tennis. Mm-hmm. So ours is a model for kids going to school and playing tennis. Yeah, that's awesome. And what does an yeah. average day look like for the kids? Well, the kids... They wake up in the morning. A lot of them will go to the farm, bring foodstuffs for their markets. And I'm talking about my own typical family. Mm-hmm. We'll bring foodstuffs from the farm in the morning to the market for our mothers to sell. Then they would go and fetch water, another one, two, three miles to go and fetch water and bring before they go to school in the morning. And then at lunchtime, they have to walk back home to prepare food because there are no food programs. Mm. So this has been a challenge. But currently, you know, the government is addressing some of these issues for the kids, you know. And so they come back from home in the evening and then do a homework and then go to sleep. Okay. So there are no community programs as such. But now we get into it and knowing how to bring kids together and educate them and give them all the skills for them to make it. Now, I'm wondering, because for me, I'm not very well educated on Ghana or the area, but if there was one thing that you could kind of explain to our listeners so we can come away better educated, what sort of things would you let us know about this area and how we can kind of continue to be better educated? (laughs) Well, in this modern times, Ghana is making it and making it well. Mm -hmm. Um, Ghana just established, you know, the return home program. So a lot of um, tourists went back to Ghana. So it's a good business center in West Africa. It's a democracy that has been there, well-structured. And so the governance system is there to make Ghana what it needs to be. And then secondly, there's a very strong cultural atmosphere in Ghana. The culture in Ghana is very strong among the groups. So that also helps keep the groups together. At the end of every year, in any group, there is a festival and everybody's there. There's a lot of fun. So the cultural atmosphere in the country keeps the country together. And the political atmosphere is stable. So Ghana is doing very well. Mm-hmm. And, and um, 
one of these days you'll be there as a tourist. <laughs> I, I was just going to say, like, one of my questions is when can I come and check out Wisconsin? Hey, like yesterday. <laughs> I know. Just oh. let me know what your program is for availability. I would love to. Yes, yes. I also just established a nonprofit organization. It's called the La Constance Center for Global Health. Okay. Once again, Constance. It's called the La Constance Center for Global Health. And the concept is to attract medical students, nurses, doctors, anybody who wants to go to Ghana and experience global health activity. We have that nonprofit organization that can easily do that. So you're going to come to Ghana. Yes. And you're going to really enjoy and see your kids playing tennis. Uh, and it's amazing. It sounds like the perfect vacation for me. <laughs> Absolutely. When everything cools down, you are in Ghana. That's what I was also going to ask is how has the COVID-19 situation affected anyone in Ghana? Is it something that they're concerned about or is it are there other things? Yes, like like every other country, mm-hmm. they've, they've had their own nemesis. At the moment, there are about 30,000 cases nationwide, mm-hmm. but the death rate has been pretty low. Okay. There's only, uh, I think I looked at this morning, like 179 deaths for the whole country. Mm-hmm. And there are about 30,000 30, cases infected with 27,000 of them recovered. Okay. So it's there, but it's not such a huge problem. And I think the, the government was quick to address the issue. So it didn't spiral out of hand. Good. That's nice. Good to hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the weather in Ghana, I'm assuming, is like pretty sunny most of the time. Well, the, we have two seasons virtually. <laughs> the rainy season yeah. and the dry season. <laughs> so it starts to rain around about March. And then it goes through up to September raining mm. with the nice sunshine and everything and then beginning october november december is where you have the dry season okay and then it that ends up to about february and then the rain and the sunshine starts so the weather is very beautiful and particularly the area that i come from is a slightly mountainous area which is only 30 miles from the city accra so it's very beautiful the weather is extremely beautiful that uh, sounds beautiful. Yeah. And when it rains, does it dry pretty fast? So you're still able to play tennis, or oh, it dries, it dries pretty fast. Perfect. Dries okay. Because the, the sun, the sun comes up very, very quickly, and and it, it dries up. Our tennis court was initially just rough ground, but we're able to put cement on it, so it's now cement playing ground. Awesome. And is it just one tennis court at the moment? For the moment, we have only one, I think, giving our constraints. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's all. I was going to say, but, let's, but, let's get a clay court built out there, right? <laughs> well, I think it is in the often. We're just looking to see how, how we can do that. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything else that we haven't covered? What else can you tell me? Oh, I, I think the program has done extremely well. The kids are enthusiastic. Certainly, with your help, it's been possible to get it going. Um, we're looking to see whether we can expand to other areas, other towns, and then establish the program so we can get a lot more kids off the street into the program, teach them, give them leadership skills. And this is where we are. Like I said, we also spoke to the university. They are willing to give sports scholarship for kids to go to university. So that is an excellent, excellent option. So it looks like the sky is the limit. Gradually, we would make it at the town level, uh, make it an exciting program for our children. 
Yeah, I'm so inspired by what you're doing. And thank you so much for sharing the story about your mother. She seems like an absolute amazing woman and you're living her legacy. Uh, Oh, like I said, I think she's the greatest woman that ever lived. A single mother of nine in a village in Africa, raising nine children to become doctors, engineers, architects, PhDs. It's amazing. And she did it all by herself. I literally could probably record an episode just about that, but do you know what drove her and who inspired her to lead you guys to such amazing, amazingness? I, I, I don't know. I think it's her <laughs> DNA. And she's there with her grandmother. Okay. And this woman was all over the place and between the two women. It's amazing. You can imagine, uh, you know, to sidestep. My mother never went to school. She didn't know how to read. She didn't know how to write. Oh, my gosh. When I was in high school, she asked me, when you, what are you going to be doing in school? And I said, I was going to be an aeronautical engineer. She looked at me. I don't know how she understood that. She looked at me <laughs> and said, Ghana has only one plane. By the time you finish, there'll be no job. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that was the end of the story. She said, go and be a doctor. Oh, and that's it. And now you are. So she was now you are. <laughs> so she was my guidance counselor as well, you know. Amazing, amazing. I know. I feel like just from hearing you talk, she's probably like one of these women that just says these epic things and you just want to write them down and like put it oh, on your, yes. yeah, like mirror message. <laughs> oh, that's so cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I love that. I need some of her wisdom. <laughs> I know. <laughs> she, was, she was just an amazing, amazing, oh, amazing. So cool. Well, you are living out her legacy and you, I'm sure, making her so proud and doing everything that she has done. You are helping others in such an amazing way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Nice. Thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate this conversation and I'm so excited to learn more and keep helping and book my trip to Ghana so I can go play some tennis with you guys. I would also like to end on the note that I started, that we are very grateful for Tennis Warehouse for the support they gave us because without you guys, none of this would have come into fruition. So we're extremely thankful for what you've done for us. We appreciate that. And we are so grateful for you starting an organization like this to teach tennis and continue the sport and bring it to people who may have never touched a tennis racket. So amazing. It's such a good partnership. Look at us. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) And I must say that I have several colleagues who have emailed you and interacted with you and they have nothing but the best and kindest things to say. So thank you for being a great partner to work with as well. And and please share our GoFundMe project if anybody will be yes. willing to help us. Yes, we'll be very 100%. Grateful. So anyone listening, we will post all the links, the GoFundMe, the website, everything in the show notes. So anyone who wants to help will easily be able to have easy way to access it. We also are going to build a page on our website, which will have some pictures from you guys. We've got some really cool photos that you guys have sent over And again, it will link to your website and GoFundMe. So I'm excited to share that. It will also have the episode on there. So Absolutely. Thank you very kindly. Thank you so much. The pleasure is mine. 
If you are interested in learning more about La Constance Tennis Center, be sure to visit their website at www.laconstancetennis.com. And I have added their links as well as their GoFundMe link to the show notes of this episode. Every little bit helps and they are such an amazing organization. If you would like to know more about La Constance, feel free to email me at podcast at tennis-warehouse.com and I will be sure to get you in contact with Dr. Alex. Thank you so much for listening and happy hitting. Happy hitting.